Welcome to Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension soybean specialist, Dr. Sean Castile, and Extension corn specialist, Dr. Dan Quinn. On this episode, Sean and Dan discuss the later start to the planting season. We had a little bit of a warm-up this last weekend, but you know some of that topsoil moisture in those fields were just too wet for guys to get some of their equipment out in the fields. We've got a lot of time left still to yield very well. Um, I, I definitely like to be a late April, early May, but I mean, this is where we're at right now, and we, we plant to the conditions that we've got. This podcast is made possible by the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean Alliance. Your Indiana corn and soybean checkoff investments yesterday are paying off today. New research, new uses, demand creation, bringing dollars back to the farm. Check it out at yourcheckoff.org. Now your host for Purdue Crop Chat, who's your ag today's, Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome back to another edition of the award-winning Purdue Crop Chat podcast. No, I haven't given it up yet, Sean. It's it's going to be there for a while. Award-winning, it's just nice to say. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> we with... won't say what award anymore. <laughs> Self-imposed or what? I'm here with Sean Castile. He's King Bean, soybean specialist here with Purdue Extension. Hello, Sean. Howdy, Eric. And uh, Dan Quinn comes back this month. I'm not entirely sure why. He must think we still want to talk about corn for some reason, but uh, maybe we'll throw it in here and there. Dan, hello. Eric, you know, I'm just kind of in the shadows now. That's just how it is. (laughs) Rise from the shadows. Call you the phoenix, you know, rise from the ashes or something. We'll we'll throw in a little corn talk here. Now, actually, let's, let's start there because in Monday's report from USDA, as far as crop planting progress is concerned, uh, soybeans haven't even registered quite yet, uh, but but corn, we're 1% in. That's a little behind, but uh, just talk about what you're seeing out there, Dan, because it, it has been a slow go at this point. Yeah, so corn was at 1% planted uh, for the state of Indiana. I think last year at this time, we're about 13% planted, and and on average, you know, it's about 8% at this time. You usually see the for the state of Indiana, you get to about April 20th. That's when usually that that trend line of planting progress starts to increase. Um, But it it just comes back to, you know, we had our meeting with our extension educators around the state, and there was one word that stood out to me on why planting progress hasn't started, and it's it's wet. That was the number one word from just about every county around the the state. It's been cool. It's been wet. You know, we had a little bit of a warm-up this last weekend, but, you know, some of that topsoil moisture in those fields were just too wet for guys to get some of their equipment out in the fields. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see some folks are a little bit behind with tillage. They're a little bit behind with the burndown applications, too. Um, we finally get a warm-up, but it's still a little too wet, and then the wind comes. Um, so it's difficult to get some of them, those burndown applications. So it just really comes back to those conditions. It's just been a little cool. It's been wet. Just can't get into those fields. But I think that's starting to change. There were some guys giving it a run this weekend. I've talked to a few guys this week that are, are looking to try and, and get rolling here, maybe some towards the end of this week and then this weekend. Yeah, in, in terms of the beans, uh, uh, officially there's nothing recorded. But I know there has been some fields planted and same kind of thing this weekend, driving around, going to church. You know, fields were, had some dust flying a little bit. 
um, and some some planters going. So it's starting to trickle in there. You look at last year's numbers, and actually last two years, 2020, 2021, both both years had a, really a, a great start in terms of the planting progress. Uh, last year in 21, I think about this time we we're 8% uh, planted, not, nothing now. Um, Five-year average, you know, that, that throws in a 2019 in there. That throws in two early season uh, planting progress, so it's about 4 or 5% is fairly common at this point. Um, with that being said, I, I think that we've got a lot of time left still to yield very well. Um, I, I definitely like to be a late April, early May, but I mean, this is where we're at right now, and we, we plant to the conditions that we've got. And so, you know, we've talked many times uh, from last fall to now, and we want to make sure we start these, these fields clean, right? And so, uh, just before coming in to talk, uh, you know, had a sprayer around in the field getting burned down, down. So, trying to get in there between those uh, those high galing gusts of winds and every everything else now uh dan you you kind of touched on it here of uh you know it just being too wet and what what it also comes down to guys behind on on burn down guys behind on tillage we have to remember we've got to do kind of a, a legal flashback here and, and go back to the fall as well a lot of fall field work didn't get done and and we really haven't had many nice weather days here just to get caught up on some of that stuff let alone get started planting right yeah you know i think looking back to the fall you know even some of our own field trials we were delayed till even thanksgiving to get them out of the fields just because can't remember what month of it maybe it was october, october. Uh, that we had some of the highest rainfall yep. uh, we've had so you know that kind of adds to the equation where folks just couldn't get stuff done in the fall and it delayed them till now and then we're having the issues that we're having now where it's too wet and we still can't get in the fields yeah what's what's interesting when you kind of do that that look back and the crystal ball looking back to help make you look forward uh, October was pretty rough in that way. Going back to our planting season we had in 21, I had pulled uh, some drought monitoring maps. And a year ago, most of the state uh, at the end of April was abnormally dry. And so it made a lot of sense that we were able to kind of get on the pace that we did with soybeans and certainly corn. A lot of folks are doing both of those. And then now we talk about uh, what activities have or have not occurred from the fall to now and prepping our fields for this 23 season. Uh, another one that comes to my mind is, and one I've talked about is seed quality on the soybean front. Some of this comes in depending on where it's produced, if it was during some of the drought conditions of last year in the Iowa kind of scenario versus we had a month of delay of harvest, and so the seed quality just kind of went down in that regard. So something to be on the lookout uh, as you've got seed that's in the barn right now. Make sure you know what those tags say and, and moving forward and getting that bean in, or corn in the ground for that matter. So, Sean, you bring up, you know, some of these germination rates, they might be a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. um, again, the question is always, should I adjust my seeding rates if I so, have low germination scores? Or also, too, you know, we're getting – guys may be a little more aggressive they want to get into try and get into some of these cooler wet yep. conditions when it comes to soybeans should they start thinking about maybe upping that seeding rate or changing the seed ring with these conditions and these germination scores that we're seeing right and so in particular i think you've got to put in the context of okay what what condition are you going into is it a conventional till versus a no-till or you got cover crops that's into the mix that just got burned down or you're going to plant green all of those come into okay where are you where's your starting point plus the equipment that you're using uh, I'm not saying red or green equipment. I'm saying is it a planter or is it a drill? And so from that scenario alone, 
you know, 15 inch planers, give or take uh, your twins or, or whatever, if it's a planting unit, we can have a rough starting point of 140,000 seeding rate. Now that's uh, it's total seeds, assuming it's the, the 90% germ lot, right? That, that's fairly common for us. And if we're talking a drill, uh, we're gonna be upwards of the, the 170 rate as a starting point and then move from there. So now if we've got a, a lot that's uh, 85%, I mean, so you can adjust that pretty easily. Okay, if I've got a 5% swing, I, I need to have 5% more seeds out there. You do some quick math, you're now 147,000 seeding rate on total seeds with that planter if you're just looking at germination. Um, I think one other part to put into this is to talk to the seed dealers and say, okay, do you have any any cold germ or any vigor type test on these as well to have a, a better understanding how is it going to handle these cooler soils if we're pushing planting dates and so if they're one that's got a higher rating that's definitely one i want to go with and then the, the final point of this is um, make sure we got a good fungicide seed treatment package if we're going in in particular fields that have a history of you know some of these seedling diseases whether it's pythium whether it's phytophthora uh, but then you know the environmental condition that you're planting into um, I'll go back to that no-till, conventional till component. I just dug up a couple of spots uh, with our rotation and, and tillage fields. And I mean, by the feel, and you should know it by, you know, the years that you've been in this uh, business, that no-till field, it was wet, it was cold. And it's gonna take a while to get those beans out of the ground. Same thing if you're running corn in that. So mm -hmm. just because we got a beautiful sunny day doesn't mean that we've got 50 degree soil temps at two inches on no-till ground. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, Back to the point of the importance of soil temperatures, you know, typically we, you know, we've talked about this in podcasts mm -hmm. in the past and, you know, a lot of articles, you know, you see people right now putting their temperature probes in the ground and showing, you know, it's above 50 degrees. But again, you know, reiterating the point that if it's at 50 degrees and it, you know, it just kind of hovers around 50 degrees, it takes a really long time for those plants to get out of the ground and the longer they sit in the ground is the longer they're more could be potentially exposed to issues such as fungus you know uh, you know fungal diseases mm -hmm. such as pythium phytophthora um, and so on you know we're really trying to get it into soil temperatures that are pushing you know high 50 60 degrees you know and those temperatures are continuing to increase so we can get that plant out of the ground we like getting it out of the ground quickly we get like getting it out of the ground uniformly um, and just getting that crop off to a good start well and i've i've heard some folks that are far smarter than i am say that it's less about planting date and more about emergence date Amen. is that right yeah. yeah yes yeah yeah that's correct and from the corn side too we're you know we've talked about this too there's been kind of a shift and, and sean can touch on this too with the soybean side and kind of the importance of getting it in earlier um with photo period and mm -hmm. so on but with corn you know we just see just because it gets in late doesn't mean you're going to lose a lot of yield there's just so many factors throughout the entire season that can impact yield really more so than what planting date. You know, you often talk about, you know, I think it's 0.1% after May 1st, we start losing yield. Um, but even if you're into mid-May to late May, that yield, that's just impacting yield potential. It's not impacting actual yield. So you could have, you know, really early planted and got it in really early, you're happy, but you know, it could turn dry. We could get significant disease sure. where if maybe you planted later, got it out of, out of the ground quicker, maybe we have a better year. So there's still so many factors throughout the entire growing season that can impact that yield beyond planting date. We don't need to go to Las Vegas to be gambling is what yeah. you're saying, right? Yeah, and exactly. so and that's part of, part of farming, uh, the risk 
uh, assessment and what you're willing to, to take on as well. And so, you know, corn uh, uh, grows and develops by heat unit accumulation. There's a little shifting as it gets later, um, but not as much as you think about the soybean front where you've got it's photo period and heat units. Uh, most people, when they first really learn about soybeans, and they're like, oh, it responds to day length. It's truly night length. But it also responds to heat units. And so that's the one thing within soybean agronomists across the nation that we push is timely planting so we can, it's almost tricking the plant, Eric, that we, we have that same variety, let's say it's a 3-5 variety that we planted on April 25th versus May 25th, it has a little bit more time, more thermal time, if you will, to accumulate more nodes. This is a trifoliate attachment points for the potential for more pods and then therefore for the potential for, for seed production. And so that's the game that we're playing. In addition, um, on the soybean front, you know, that photo period and the heat units, we're trying to produce a plant that has a good canopy by flowering. Uh, and we don't like one that's real rank. We don't like one that's real tall. It's kind of fun to walk through every now and then, you know, just say I'm walking through beans up to my chest and I'm six foot four. And so, I mean, but those aren't high yielding beans in most cases. So an earlier planting actually helps us stack the nodes down lower. So then they're not growing as fast, but we have more nodes and we actually have more reproductive branches. So all those things are going into when I say timely planting of soybean, that's, that's what we're stacking our yield potential with. You're listening to Purdue Crop Chat, brought to you by your Indiana corn and soybean checkoff organizations. Visit yourcheckoff.org. Now, all of the farmers that I've been speaking with recently, they already are talking about 2019, all right? So they're, they're already going back to 2019. And if you remember, we, we were, you know, planters were running well after Memorial Day that year. Sure. I feel like maybe that's a little soon, but that's just where their mind is going at this point. Uh, if, if we do have another season like 2019, let's think back now a few years at this point. Sean, what recommendations do you have for folks if we do get to that point? We are far, far from that. I'll it's echo April, that. It's, it's April 27th, by I, I the way, as we're, as we're recording this right now. I will yes. echo. We are far from that. And what I will go to is the year before that, 2018. 2018 planting progress is, quote, the same as what we have right now. Nothing was planted. Okay. And then just because 2020 and 2021, both record-breaking yield, yielding years, no doubt, 2018 was also a record-breaking yield compared to anything prior. So um, our equipment, our, our farmers are able to get in the ground in a hurry once things are fit. And so I want to reiterate that we can make up a lot of ground, plant a lot of ground in a matter of two weeks. So yep. hear that. And, and 2018 was one of those years. I don't have it burned in my mind as far as the percentages, but it, it went up almost like a vertical straight line within two weeks, and we had over half the crop planted well before the middle of May, okay? Usually we think of Indiana soybeans of, of historical um, five, 10 years, um, maybe half the crops planted by May 20th. And in 2018, 2020, and 2021, we were well ahead of that and had great yielding years. So again, mm -hmm. kind of putting that in perspective. To answer your question in 2019, yes, we were delayed. We were delayed. It was wet. Couldn't get in the field. And so if we start to get into that situation, it's whenever we tick off another month. Not the month of May, but the month of June. So the month of May, we're still, you know, stay the course. 140-ish thousand seeds. We can adjust based on your seed price, your market, market price, and some of those things. But in terms of any management, start clean, get a good stand established, and move forward. 
you go into the weeks of June, uh, our growing season is comp uh, compressed. And so in that way, the recommendations are to increase the seeding rates. Um, in other words, we're really trying to put out more plants because those individual plants are not going to develop in the same way. I just made a comment about timely planting. Uh, we get more node development. We're going to get, let's say, 20 to 22 nodes with a timely planted. We go in the first week of June, now we're down to 15, 16 nodes same variety and so we're trying to make up that ground with more plants so that's where we go we're a long way from that discussion and in 2019 yields weren't that bad right. either i mean folks still came out pretty well but that's that's where they're going here dan that's what they're thinking about already <laughs> hopefully we don't get there but if they do your thoughts yeah, they, well, that, I wasn't here in 2019. So. You weren't born? What? Come on now. I'm diaper dandy over there. Um, but, you know, thinking back to the the first thing with corn, usually when we get, you know, again, reiterating Sean's point, we're not at where 2019 was. But if we get to that point, the first question usually is, do I change my corn hybrid? Do I adjust my maturity rate, maturity dates? Mm -hmm. um, the big thing with that to understand is that corn hybrids, even if you're planting late, um, you know, some of the research that Bob's done in the mm -hmm. past kind of have shown that if I have 100, you know, let's say we have 110 day uh, corn hybrid, it might take, you know, X growing degree days from emergence until black layer. Those corn plants actually adjust the amount of growing degree days that they need from emergence to black layer if they're planted later so it might actually take less heat units growing degree days to reach black layer um, the midwest uh, regional uh, climate center here at purdue mm -hmm. has a really good tool be able to i think you can input your the hybrid maturity dates that you're using it gives you kind of an estimate i think a lot of seed companies will kind of give you an estimate of how many growing degree days either some may be from planting or some may be from emergence until it reaches maturity in black layer and you can kind of see you know those tools that the climate center has has a good idea um, of showing you you know how many growing degree days until that plant reaches maturity what that date might be and then what is that potential frost day so you know we're trying to get it so that corn plant matures hits black layer before we get that uh, first frost um, so something to you know think about is that a lot of times if we're delayed planting those corn hybrids don't need as many growing degree days or heat units when they're planted later to reach black layer. So you might still be able to get away with your normal mm -hmm. hybrid, you know, instead of jumping the gun and trying sure. to get a hold of your seed company to try and get a, you know, 95 day hybrid, you can still get away with, um, a, you know, normal, your normal maturity date hybrid and still get that to maturity in time before we hit those frost days in the fall. What's nice about that tool and tools like it, uh, mm -hmm. in particular that one, you can, you know, zero in on your county and then you can go, what's my planting date? What's my, my hybrid? I use it for soybeans too because it just gives rough estimate. Heat units or heat units, it just happens to give a, a forecasting, if you will, for your black layer silking and all that. But I still like, okay, where are we at on heat unit accumulation? So you can adjust that. And what it has built into that is, okay, the historical data. So you can compare to individual year. So if you want to compare to 2019, how are we doing? If you want to compare to the last uh, 20 years, you can do that. And so that's a really nice tool to put that out there, especially as we get later. Um, another thing that comes to my mind in preparing 
for these fields and when you're going to be doing planting, uh, the very thing I just did, go out there with the shovel, right? Go up and, and dig and see, okay, where are we at? Do the profiles, okay, uh, the top inch or two, okay, breaks up my, my hand really nice, down to two to three inches, okay, even breaking up nicer, and then, okay, it's a little bit deeper, it's cold, it's wet, it's got a glisten to it, okay, let, let's, you know, hold off or think about, you know, the tire compaction that can occur on whatever you're about to do. If it's going to be tillage or, you know, kind of smear it in to have open seat slots, uh, we want to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. For sure. But we're not there yet. No. We're, we're, we're not we're not there yet. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll talk a, a couple more times before we get to Fear that mongler. point. That, that's, well, you know, I'm in the media. That's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, let, let's take a break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about farmers' plans and if they've changed based on uh, some of the things that we've talked about in previous podcasts as far as pricing and availability of product. I uh, want to touch on that a little bit when we come back here on the Purdue Crop Chat Podcast. Planting a seed is an act of faith. And even if it makes it to maturity, Mother Nature and markets determine the value, right? Not when you've got your corn and soybean checkoffs. The checkoff is like a little seed coat of protection. It's like planting a penny to grow a dollar. In fact, with investments in research, new uses, and demand creation, we've seen a $12 return to the farm for every soybean checkoff dollar invested. Check out your Indiana checkoffs at yourcheckoff.org. And we're back. Eric Pfeiffer here from Hoosier Ag Today, along with Dan Quinn, Purdue Extension Corn Specialist, and Sean Castile, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. And uh, guys... When I look at uh, the weather, and I know it's been it's been wet, it's been tough to get in, uh, but you look at a weekend like last weekend, we were seeing some 80-degree temperatures, and it just seemed like, you know, folks are getting antsy, and uh, many, maybe myself, we, we anticipated maybe seeing a little bit more field work, um, and it just didn't happen again. It was wet. But my question is, you know, let's look at a year ago or the year before things were looking pretty good and we didn't have these high costs of fertilizer we didn't have these high costs of herbicides would some farmers maybe be taking some risks and maybe attacking the field last weekend or or are we changing our mindset a little bit because we may only have one chance to get this right based on supply of some of these products what are your thoughts yeah, you know, it's an interesting comment to put in that, to, to bring in the psychology and sociology of this, right? And so I do not claim to be that at all. And so That's not what your degree's in? I thought that, I thought we called you Dr. Sean Castillo. Well, it's a philosophy, yes, but uh, not psychology, not, not uh, sociology. But, I mean, that mindset, I think if you want to put it also into context, 80-degree weather on that Saturday – but five days before, we had an inch and a half of snow, I believe, on that same we Monday, did. right? So, yeah. I mean, you put put recent memory into that as, yep. as far as a year ago memory recall. Your point is well taken, though. I, I think that uh, we should be mindful of what supply we've got. This goes all the way through in terms of seed supply. This goes with herbicide, uh, fertilizer. You want to do it. I think everyone wants to do it right the first time. But... Again, the ability to roll the, the dice and say, oh, I, I've got, I got seed replacement. I'll, I'll know I'll be okay if I have to replant. Or um, I can deal with a little bit. We'll just do another shot, another pass. If we happen to miss it with the, this weed control, we'll just do another pass in, in the season. So I, I think there is some validity to that thought. Who knows if that's what, why people are making that call or not. Um, I do want to make sure that we start clean with the field. I want to make sure that we've got all the tools available. And so when you're applying let's go with the herbicide route 
you want to be make sure that your burn down is working so you've got weeds that are actively growing right and so then they're taking up that herbicide and then going to get that kill likewise the residual the aspect that we talked with bill johnson over the the fall to winter uh, we might be the best weed managers uh, this year because we have to put more residual residuals out because we don't have um, the supply like we would think of with the glyphosate and some of the other ones um, so with those they've got to get activated they've got to get worked in with with rainfall and so we want to make sure that we're setting up for good uh, activity for that germinating seed to get killed by the weeds but then also I mean, I'll go and say this one, it's too often that we'll get a burn down with the residual, it's cool, wet, beans are in there, and they're just struggling to get through. They can get some injury because they aren't growing fast enough, and so the soybean plant gets through some of those because of uh, metabolism, the way that they, they eat up, if you will, that herbicide. And so if they can't grow fast and metabolize it, there's a little bit of, of injury. And then also they're getting caught up right at that soil layer where that herbicide is, there can be some concern. So I think all of those can come into this. Let's, let's pause the brakes, tap the brakes a little bit and make sure that we've got the best scenario. And by the way, it's still April. It is still April, yes. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of echoing some of the same things on the corn side, I think that does factor into it. You know, you think even back to, you know, some of the tillage passes, mm -hmm. you know, some folks maybe will push tillage, but that's coming back to the cool and wet conditions with tillage and what compaction that can cause. So being, you know, very uh, mindful of that as well. Um, corn can be pretty similar um, in terms of herbicide injury um, mm -hmm. when in cool and wet conditions, you know, I think one of the herbicides you think about atrazine can cause damage if that corn just can't metabolize um, that herbicide and it can't get up and growing. Um, so just the importance of just getting in that crop into good conditions because prices are, you know, corn prices are great. Um, but we want to be as efficient as possible with these residual herbicides because we don't have the supply of glyphosate or Liberty that we've had in the past. You think about nitrogen too, you're starting to see some guys move on the anhydrous front um, across the state, but you might think more guys maybe are going to be a little more efficient with their nitrogen. They might not put it on um, as soon as they have in the spring in the past just from that worry of potentially losing some. Uh, maybe doing more side dress applications, maybe pushing a little bit closer to planting as well because of the price is so high. Um, so just coming back to being as efficient with, as possible with these inputs um, both from a seed side, from an input side in order to get you know the best bang for a buck this year. And, and again we're we're not late it just mm. seems like it maybe based on the past couple of years yeah, two especially. years of planting you know <laughs> good progress in april it certainly has that feel to it no doubt and, and i know many farmers are getting pretty antsy i'm seeing you know pictures all over social media of rain gauges and gotta push it back again you know uh but but again they're they're just they're anxious to get out there uh but dan you and i were talking before we hit the record button on this thing that it's been kind of wet here in indiana yep. uh but it, it could be worse. It could be like it is out in, you know, say Nebraska or yeah. Iowa where they're yeah. really struggling right now. Yeah. And I think that's a, an important point. You know, one, it's still April and two, we have really good soil moisture in the state of Indiana. You look at, I think, Western Iowa, Nebraska, mm -hmm. parts of Minnesota and the Dakotas, they're starting off the year bone dry. Sure. You know, they've had fire issues out in those states, um, just terrible erosion issues too, with soil movement out in those states so they're just starting off the year in a bad foot um, so you know here in indiana we might be a little bit behind um, but again it's still april 
we have good soil moisture we just don't really have anything on the drought monitor across the entire state right now um, and kind of sean touched on this too earlier um, is that if we have the weather break you know for five days of really nice weather in one week it's amazing the amount of planning progress um, that can happen across the state so it could be a lot worse you know we're hearing from the colleagues that we have out those states and some of the stories out there so um, our kind of thoughts are with them you know because of the some of the issues they have going yeah. right into planting season so I think also we've talked about it, go back to Indiana and it's it's been wet mm-hmm. we all feel it's been wet it's been wet I don't think it's been like a 2019 wet by any means and then when you look at I think Beth was doing this yesterday on mm-hmm. when we were talking about weather and for the month of April um, we're not at even normal rainfall amounts it just feels like it's wet because it's just been dreary it's been oh just a little bit of piddle mist and everything else but it hasn't been a lot every now and then we get it okay this weekend there's a time that it it rained hard but Mm -hmm. it wasn't every day and so i think yes we are wet so much that we can't get in the field but what we're not so saturated i don't see the ponds i don't it's not going to take long today's a 50 degree day beautiful blue skies sun shining you got some radiant heat yeah it's not 75 or 80s but it's not going to take too long for these fields to get fit to get a burn down on if you do tillage to go ahead and get uh, tillage going and to get planted um we got home farm in illinois and they're they're rolling already today and so i mean and they rolled again on on uh, sunday so saturday and sunday so it's not going to take long to get things moving again yeah it it seems like uh it hasn't been terribly wet from from your you know like you just mentioned but it's it's been just like untimely rains here i mean we want timely rains during the growing season these have just seemed like untimely ones just every so often just enough to keep us out of the field so. yeah yeah enough to be annoying but again it's patience and we we pull the trigger when the fields are fit and we manage for that so if we need to do some adjustments based on seed depth uh, i don't think we're at a place for that right now i go to our colleagues that have the drier soils are like okay then there's a decision of okay how deep am i going to plant that that corn or soybean seed to chase after that or am i going to just plant into dust and wait for mother nature to bring it to me so we're not there right now but you know who knows maybe this will be a different conversation in two weeks from now yeah yeah final thoughts here guys as we wrap up the uh, purdue crop chat podcast dan i'll start with you again it's just patience is is key which is you know easier said than done you know i always joke that we always sit here and you know tell farmers you know don't pay attention to your neighbors and then i'm looking out my window and oh is my neighbor mowing my mowing his lawn i better get out there quickly and oh i was feeling on the one drive to church on sunday like oh man uh, maybe field conditions are a little bit better than i anticipated i felt it too but again just patience is key because you know getting that corn plant off to a good start just sets it up you know for stress tolerance for high yield later on and you mentioned that important point it's all about emergence date rather than when you get it in the ground and two it's if we are a little bit on the late side it's just only impacting maybe a little bit of potential yield it's not impacting actual yield there's just so many different factors that can happen throughout the entire season that can impact that corn yield way more so than if you try and plant it early and then if you have issues of planting early and you get it in too wet and you have compaction issues and and so on you know that just sets that corn plant up for failure right off the start and we we just don't want that the the point that i'm here and and i want to echo planting early it's not calendar calendar date early we're talking about we're talking about 
earlier than the field is fit. Yeah, and I exactly. think that's what we want to really stress is that um, if the field is fit, let's roll. And it's April 26th, 27th, or it's April 15th. Okay, we can talk about now we go, if we push the clock back to beginning April, March. Okay, that's a different discussion about early. But what we're talking about now is when is it the field fit if it's too early to get out there. So let's make sure that we get a good stand establishment. One of the other things I, I guess I want to leave is um, if fields have been planted or will be getting planted in the coming days um, to kind of be patient. It's going to take a while for those those crops to, to bump up and emerge. And so, you know, a good rule of thumb on the soybean front, 140 to 160 heat units uh, from the time of planting, you're going to have over half of your crop emerge. And so that's a, just a good good place to be. That can be three weeks at this point, right? And if we're looking at the middle or late late May, that could be two weeks, 10 days. And so th that's the difference. And I seeded my grass when I had a window and then I got snow on it, but I'm looking like, hey, is that grass gonna come up or not? Same thing, I'm just having that neighbor influence. Like, all right, I got the dandelions, <laughs> I gotta take care of those and uh, do a little weed and feed. But yes, uh, think about what's coming up. And then if you've got it in the ground, um, let's be mindful of managing it and that it, it takes a while to get it up and then be cautious of uh, you know field conditions in terms of weeds and everything else. Well, gentlemen, hopefully uh, by the next time we chat, we have more than just 1% on the board. Maybe we can start getting moving here in both corn and soybeans. That'd be, that'd be nice. I know I know our farmers are getting a little antsy, just wanting to get after it. So, guys, thanks so much. Appreciate the time, and uh, we will do this again here soon. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. This has been Purdue Crop Chat, a regular series featuring Purdue Extension's Dr. Dan Quinn and Dr. Sean Castile, made possible by the Indiana Corn and Soybean Checkoffs, the Indiana Corn Marketing Council, and the Indiana Soybean Alliance. The checkoffs are pleased to help bring you agronomy insights from Purdue Extension. Purdue Crop Chat, a service of Purdue University Extension, and Hoosier Ag Today, timely, relevant, credible.